You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This episode number 141, we were discussing our first thoughts on Daredevil Season 3 and what we think is next for Marvel TV. I'm one of your host, Tim. I'm Troy. Ah, oh, dude, I am so pumped to be here. Yeah, you know, it's, it's been a very slow week, but I've had an extremely long day. I've been at work for 14 hours. I got out of an Uber, <laughs> straight down to the basement, Jump onto the podcast with Troy here. So I'm excited yeah. to to have a bit of relief from the craziness of today and get to sit here and podcast with you, man. Man, that's some serious dedication. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if serious dedication to work or to home because I should probably thank my wife because I kind of went upstairs and was like, hey, hi, and then down. <laughs> So no, it's going to be a very exciting episode, maybe slightly condensed. We are recording a little late because of my inability to get home from work at a reasonable time, but we want to talk to you guys a little bit about our first thoughts on Daredevil Season 3. Now, neither of us are all the way through it. I think I'm about halfway, Troy's about three quarters of the way through it, so we're not quite to the end yet, and we're not really going to do a spoiler review. We're going to give our high-level thoughts on things like Daredevil, Matt Murdock, the storyline, the villains that are in it, without spoiling much. So you guys should be able to listen to those thoughts towards the end of the episode without worry of having anything spoiled for you. That's not our intention. And we also want to talk a bit about what's next for Marvel TV. We've seen some cancellations over the last couple weeks. We've got this last, or potentially last season of Daredevil, and we want to kind of spitball where we think it could go in the not too distant future because spoiler alert here daredevil season three is pretty damn good awesome awesome loving this loving this show so before we get into any of that like we always like to do here in the nerd room is we want to kick it off with our weekend nerd and i got to acknowledge one thing here sunjay is missing today i'm sure you guys have already figured that out you did not get that normal introduction from our main man so he's taking a back seat because of me, <laughs> I will take the full blame from his for his absence. It's because of my tardiness getting home tonight. So he will be back next week in full form. Do not worry about that. <laughs> but Troy, my dude, yeah, how has your week in nerd been? Super, super calm. Yeah. Like I'm struggling to remember what I've even picked <laughs> up. <laughs> you know, I haven't really gone anything. I found a copy of uh, Blade Runner, like the original nice. on Blu-ray, which is cool. So I'm excited to watch that over the weekend. And um, my my game of the year, Spider-Man PS4, has just released some new content, which is awesome. Uh, some DLC and uh, a new Game Plus mode, which means basically if you've completed the game already, you can now go back and start the game over again with all of your stats that have been boosted from the previous game nice. to go into it. So um, I'm having a lot of fun doing that, man. And um, that's that's really it. I've uh, Comic-wise, I haven't... No, I've been calm on the comics. I haven't really done much. I'm actually picked back up again, though, with Thrawn Alliance, uh, nice. the Thrawn book with Anakin there. So that's been okay. It's a, it's a slow read for me, that one, though. It's not... 
on my high priority list. It's not up there with the Claudia Grays oh, or the yeah. Paul S. Kemp, you know. But um, I'm I'm getting through it, man. Slowly, slowly getting through that. That's yeah, about it. For my week. Some of those audiobooks are a bit of a grind. Yeah, I found the aftermath stuff for me was a grind, but I found the back half of a lot of these books are really good. They spend a lot of time contextualizing the universe for you at the first part. Like I haven't read anything of the of the Throne Alliances, right. but just from my experience from a couple of these outside of Claudia Gray, where it was yeah. like a binge read, it was like watching a show on Netflix. Yeah, I had to get through every moment of every day. I had to be listening to Lost Stars or Bloodlines. Oh, That's yeah. how good they are. <laughs> so good. Can't put the, oh, I love those books. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, man, for, for me, it's been relatively calm as well. I started the week by tearing the nerd room apart. <laughs> I came and I looked. I was feeling a bit cluttered. The closet I have, which is both storage and nerd storage, I was looked at it. I was like, this is too much. So I went and got some new containers from Ikea. These they're kind of a cardboard, but they're square, which is nice. And they have handles. And nice. the nice thing about a square box is that things like Funko Pops and Extra Legends fit in very nicely. Perfect. Because you look at any other tote or plastic bin, they're always curved. And so things yes. don't sit in properly. And right. so you can't stack and you're worried about crunching. So I went and got a bunch of those and I started to take apart the nerd room and really focused it down a little bit. I was worried that it was feeling a bit cluttered. I had too much on the shelves. And that's one thing that we always talk about is yeah. if you're going to have a nerd room, it has to be set up in a way that doesn't feel like a cluttered mess. And I was starting to get that. So I got some new Legos set up. I built some stands for some of the ships to sit on. So I had nice. a lot of fun with that. And comic-wise, Marvel Limited, I continue to pour through comic books. I'm really really into new avengers right now so i plowed through a bunch more of that after finishing house of m yep um i'm trying to find my next series i downloaded the 2004 iteration of black panther that's my next step Ooh. to try to read some of that kind of get into the main cinematic characters that we're seeing right now and try to see how much of their origins were taken from this era because I'm finding Captain America, Iron Man, and even the Avengers to an extent are really pulling from this era. And so I'm hoping to get a bit more context there as I, I try to really dive into the Marvel comics and the Bendis era of, of Avengers and Captain America. So I'm still absolutely loving that. And then I finally had a chance to get out on the hunt. It had been nice. several weeks since I did a good run to multiple stores. So I was able to get to Toys R Us, a couple EB games, uh, Hot Topic, a few others. And I grabbed that Zuckus. So the Black Series Zuckus, the, the Toys R Us exclusive up here in Canada, which is almost the end of the Bounty, the Bounty Hunters run in the Black Series. Now, I've complained about in the past about this $35 price tag. I paid it for the Zuckus. <laughs> it's an exclusive. It does carry that, that hefty price tag. But yeah. being that I want to finish out this Bounty Hunter run from Empire Strikes Back, the last we're getting here is Dengar. I've gotten everyone else, and most of them are fairly hard to get because they were relatively exclusive. Right. So I pulled the trigger on that. I'm pretty happy about it. It's fantastic looking figure. It's got a lot of soft goods on it. It's of an alien, so the sculpt in the head is really well done. It's a very impressive figure. I'm still not pleased about the price I paid for it. Right. But the fact that it's exclusive and we saw that Mimbam Stormtrooper disappear from shelves when I personally thought it wasn't going to go. 
Right. And I was wrong on that one. So I did pull the trigger on that. I saw the General Veers exclusive as well. Sweet. Yeah. Nah, I didn't get it though. No, that's the one from Solo? No, the General Veers, I believe, someone's going to kill me for this, but I believe <laughs> Empire. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just a very generic, or I was going to say First Order, Empire officer look. You know, the face oh. sculpt is pretty good, but yeah. it's not a character that I want to spend $35 on. <laughs> $35 for that one too. Yeah, eh? it's, it's wow. exclusive as well. So yeah. it, um, it's been a really good week. And I did see one other thing that I wasn't able to get. So Marvel's doing this Funko Pop run, this 10th anniversary Funko Pop run. But yeah. their sculpts from the original, I, I can't remember what, if it's Age of Ultron or whatever. But they're sculpts that they've previously used, but they're all in gold. So they look like a statue. Right. Nice. So I started seeing those pop up. And they're the only thing that Funko's doing for the Marvel 10th anniversary outside of a there's a big, huge $70 Thanos that I didn't get. <laughs> What's the scale of that thing? It was pretty big. It was had yeah. to have been about 10 inches tall, maybe, in total. Wow. He was sitting on the big throne in that. Oh. But I'm looking specifically for the Captain America one, of course. That's the only one I'm going to get. Nice. Um, I don't, I don't love the look at them, but I love the celebration of the tenth anniversary. So that's why I'm getting it. So Perfect. overall, it was, it was a pretty good week for me. I had a lot yeah. of fun out in the hunt, reorganizing here, getting into some comics. So it, it's been a lot of fun. That's dope, man. The hunt is real. That's awesome. The hunt is real, <laughs> and and a little bit sideways from the the nerd related things. And it's it's kind of in our atmosphere here. You know, we're podcasters. I started listening to Serial finally. This is a very popular podcast that's done by This American Life, and it's released in season, and it chronicles a single story. And it's kind of like Making a Murderer, but podcast a little cool. bit. And okay. so this chronicles this kid who got accused and jailed for killing his girlfriend. And it's this woman who is, I can't remember exactly what she is, if she's a some sort of defense lawyer or an attorney that goes and looks at at cases that are brought to her that people are saying, oh, my brother was falsely accused. And she goes back and does a lot of investigative reporting and all that. And she chronicles this whole, I guess, the, the whole case that she works here. Wow. And there, it's interspersed with her interviewing people and then her talking over top of that, saying this is what I was doing, connecting the dots. So it's it's designed in a very similar way that a lot of these murder mystery document or documentaries are being done right now and that you listen to it and then you're like, I got to listen to the next episode because I have to find out what happens. So it's a really cool spin. And these have been out coming out for quite a while. Like I'm really behind the boat on this. I think the third season just dropped uh, a month or so ago. But if you guys aren't listening to that and if you're looking for something a little different, you know, always come back here to the nerd room. Of course. (laughs) Of course. Stay tuned. Yeah. (laughs) But Jump over there. It's it's a really cool concept and a different spin on podcasting, which I really enjoy. That's pretty cool. So is this this isn't just exclusively to Apple. This is I'm sure on Google Play and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I'm too. sure, yeah. It's I think yeah. it's if I'm not mistaken, it's one of the biggest podcasts out there, most popular oh. podcasts outside of Joe Rogan and that. Oh, okay. That's huge then. Yeah, it's it's massive. Okay. And it's yeah. it's really well done. The production quality is fantastic. The uh, woman, I can't remember her name, but she's also she's a great podcaster, great voice. And I just, I love the way it's put together. Yeah. It's It's got this, like, I think the closest thing I can liken it to is making a murder right. type thing where they're going back and looking at all the details, breaking this thing down. There's a different focus per episode. You know, it's about okay. the girlfriend. It's about the buddy. It's about the inconsistencies. So it's mm-hmm. really well done. 
Okay, I gotta check that out. I mean, I guess season two of Making the Murder actually just came out too this week. Yeah, it did. It did right? drop yeah. this uh, this Friday too. And the nice thing right. about Serial, it's only the episodes are only like forty minutes long. That's 30, nice. Thirty then. minutes long, so it's super consumable. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I gotta check that out. Serial. Yeah, Serial. Okay. Yeah, I'll cool. send you a link, man. It's 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 cool. really great stuff. I'm sure it's on Google Play. Yeah. Okay. Gotta so check I, that out. I know you're very adverse to Apple. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right man well it sounds like it's it's been a, a lot of fun this week for me a lot of fun for you grabbing into that that spider-man there and yeah, so I, I think it's time you know let, let's swing over to the news this week now like i said at the top of the episode it's been a fairly quiet week so we're going to run through one star wars one marvel and one dc news item here jump into grab's question and then finish up talking a little bit of daredevil and marvel netflix but the first thing we're going to jump into here is a little bit of dc news now wonder woman this is a movie that is highly anticipated the next installment outside of aquaman to hit theaters no i guess aquaman and shazam then wonder woman right, right. but it's the i think it's the first film in the dc extended universe to get to be a sequel to an origin story if i'm not wrong so yeah that's right yeah so this sequel was intended to be released in November of 2019. And we just got word that it was pushed to I sometime in 2020, uh, June 2020, sorry. And it was released by Gal Gadot herself. Now, she wrote on Insta and Twitter here, super excited to announce that thanks to the changing landscape, we're able to put one one back to its rightful home June 5th, 2020. Be there or B square. So this was on her Twitter account and it comes with the, the title WW 84 and the new release date. Now this was later followed up by the president of Warner brothers saying that they had an opening in the schedule. I think that the $6 billion man was foregone. So this was a take on the $6 million man. So they got rid of that and they had a lot, they're saying they had a lot of success with, the original Wonder Woman film in that space, and they wanted to move into there outside of a November 2019 release. So what this does mean is that we have to wait an extra seven months for Gal Gadot's next installment in the Wonder Woman franchise, and also that we're only having one DC film next year, and that is being Shazam. So what are your thoughts on this? You know, it makes sense that they're going to push to a date that they're comfortable with, and I'm not sure what's coming out in 2020 there, but November's a pretty good time frame, I would say, for a film. Big lull before you get into the, the December space. You know, you're still far enough away from Star Wars. You're you're very separate from Infinity War Part Two or Avengers Four. So, do you buy into this idea that they've pushed it just purely for release date, or is there something underlying here? I'm kind of kind of confused by this because the original release date was supposed to be 2019. Yeah, November 2019. So towards the end of 2019. Right, and now it's been pushed 2020 June. Yeah, seven months. Yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of weird, especially because you got to imagine if, um, I mean, obviously Wonder Woman started it all off with a, a very successful, uh, female superhero film. Yeah. But if Captain Marvel takes off and is just a huge hit, you're gonna wish that you're the next thing kind of coming out. At least that's what I would assume, which would be closer, right? If you did the 2019. So. I'm not worried about the film being bad or anything like that. I, I think it's in good hands. I think it actually has a lot of potential to be a lot better than the first film. I'm just kind of confused why you would push it, especially coming from DC, because DC is always moving their dates all over the place, never really for the better. Yeah. So I don't really know what to take from this. I'm still excited for the film. 
it will be kind of weird for DC to have just one film for that year. But I still, I've, I've said it many times, I'm a broken record. I still feel this could be the final film in the DC franchise or DCEU until they kind of restart this whole universe. I know they've had other titles among, along the lines as well. But, I mean, we just got Flash pushed back or actually it's been canceled again or it's been yeah. moved. So <laughs> that's like the fifth time for Flash. But um, Matt, I, I don't know. I want Wonder Woman sooner. I mean, because the last one came out 2017. Yeah, right? June 2017. So this will be three yeah. years between be films. Three years. And we're going to have a lot of good superhero films between then from that yeah. time. So, yeah, I don't really know about it. I would rather have it sooner, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm a bit disappointed that it's been moved so far. You know, yeah. it's one thing to move it from November to February. It's another thing to move it all the way into this, basically the summertime. Yeah. So you're in a space that's well into and past that that May time frame, which is traditionally the start of your summer blockbuster season now. Right. And I agree with you. I don't think there's anything wrong with the movie. I'm not taking this as they're reshooting half the movie or whatever. Patty Jenkins, Gal Gadot, they, they've got this on lockdown. And this seems like just a pure move to get it into a better space where they think they can make more money or it's a better release date for this. But going on your point a little bit about Captain Marvel is the start of the year, March 2019, we're going to see that film drop. There's going to be a lot of momentum for female-led superheroes. Yeah. So Wonder Woman could pick up on that momentum and say, look, you guys did it. Like I did it first. You did it better. I'm going to come in and do it even better. That's true. And yep. so I feel that you're going to lose a little momentum, even if it's not coming off the back end of Captain Marvel, but just on the DCEU and Wonder Woman themselves. Three years isn't that long in between franchise films if you relate it directly back to Marvel. But right. it's a long time when you don't have three movies or two movies a year coming out, and especially movies that aren't super relevant to what your universe is. Like Shazam seems like kind of it's off in its own space right yeah so you're gonna go from aquaman in december 2018 and you're not gonna really have a justice league-esque film or someone that's connected into that tighter universe until june 2020 like that's a long space of time for people to forget about your universe that's right you know at the end of the day people are gonna pick it back up the same way they picked up ragnarok the same way they picked up Captain America Civil War coming out. But most of those were only a couple years removed. I guess in reality, Ragnarok was, so we went 2013 to 2017. So that was four years That's in between right. Thor films. But we saw Thor in several Avengers, Avengers movies. Right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. So yeah. it's it's going to be interesting to see how they pick up the momentum again because you know with the set leak photos, the reveals that they were doing, they're chronicling a lot of this on Twitter, on Instagram, building that momentum towards an eventual trailer or release date. So I, it's going to be interesting to see how they recapture people because they're going to lose that momentum. You look at anything like the Joker that we've spoken about, a lot yeah. of that momentum has been picked up by the scenes that we're seeing, the behind the scenes, the little teases, and that's going to ebb and flow throughout the year, but that's always going to be top of mind. Yeah. Now, this pushes us out of the consciousness of a lot of fans and even common moviegoers. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how it turns out because we're always fascinated by the box office. Yes. And we're never going to really know how it would have performed in November of 2019. But once we see how it performs in June and what it could potentially be going up against, there's a lot higher risk going up against things like, I don't know, Jurassic World 3 or something to that effect in that 2020 space. So wait and see. But I agree with you. 
I'm not worried about the film. I'm just worried about the the consciousness and the ability for people to be invested in a universe when they don't have films coming out in it. That's right. I mean, because we still don't even know if Batman will be out by then either, right? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're moving around. Maybe Birds of Prey will come out in November 2019, right. or I'm not sure when this Joker movie is scheduled to hit. So maybe they're just making space for something a little smaller, maybe a bit more niche coming out the back end of Halloween. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I find it fascinating, though, this space of, of juggling films to try to find that exact release date. Because we saw how that really failed from a box office perspective for Solo. That's right. Yeah. Not yeah, going with one. something more traditional. Maybe they're taking notes from that and saying, look, we had a space here in June. We did really well. Let's leverage that and not try to do something completely different and putting it in this November space. So, I don't know. Maybe there's something. They paid these guys a lot of money to make these decisions. So <laughs> They must know something. I mean, I know. I guess it's Oscar season around then, too. A lot of these films are coming out kind of closer to the Christmas season, too. So, it's a lot of competition. So, yeah. you know, June might be okay. We'll, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, we will wait and see. But a movie yeah. we are not going to have to wait too much longer to see is Spider-Man Far From Home. Now, last week we spoke in detail about where we thought the future of Spider-Man in film was. So if you guys haven't heard that, go back and check that out. We spent a bit of time breaking down everything from Into the Spider-Verse to what we've seen recently with Venom. And what we're going to talk about here right now is Tom Holland's new spider suit so we we broke that down last week and gave our opinions on it here but we just wanted to highlight something that's fun and something that marvel does again to keep the public consciousness alive and and really thinking about spider-man even though the effects of infinity war are still you know weighing down on us quite heavily here but he made an appearance on abc on jimmy kimmel's show to debut the suit officially and it was quite a fun clip. They had Gilmore, or how do you say his name? Um, his, little sidekick there. A little sidekick, yeah. <laughs> Gilmore? Gilmore? I don't know. I'm butchering that. But he had him come out in the mask, and then this guy with Tom Holland's voice came out with a bag on his head and that. And then eventually it's revealed that it is Tom Holland. But he's in this new black and red suit with the white logo on the back. So this is Marvel yep. saying, all right, guys, you've seen it. We're going to officially debut it. So that was a lot of fun. Did you enjoy that? I thought it was really cool. It, it was great. You know, um, it's really neat to see the fascination with the Spider-Man costume because we don't really, not that I can think of, maybe apart from Batman, we don't really get that going on. I mean, Iron Man would be cool, but it's not really practical to see Robert Downey Jr. do something like that because that yeah. suit is so complex. But the Spider-Man costume and even the Superman costume is something we get. And it's really nice to see Marvel and Sony have fun with the character and, and put it out there. Just like what you said, there's the set photos out there, but here's Marvel officially putting the stamp on it, being like, here it is, in motion. Yeah. And Tom Holland just champions it. He comes out there, he does a little backflip at yeah. the end That's on his awesome. way out. Like, <laughs> it's really cool, man. And uh, I always love seeing these guys just take on and embrace the costume and the role of, of Spider-Man. So I think he's doing a great job. Is is a little funny. And uh, I can't wait to see this thing in, in movie, man. It's going to be going to be great. Yeah, I, I yeah. absolutely love the look of it, the black yeah. and red. And like we spoke about last week, it's got a bit of Miles Morales feel to it. Yes, fingertips. So they're beating Sony to the punch yep. <laughs> with that look of suit. So yeah. yeah, I'm super excited for this. But one thing I wanted to get your comments on here was IGN posted an article about Marvel and their marketing strategy towards films like 
Spider-Man Far From Home that comes out after Avengers 4. Now, the comments from the writer in there, and I'll, I'll maybe I'll retweet it or pop it up here in the link so you guys can actually read it, but essentially what the writer was saying is Marvel doesn't care about the end of Infinity War. Infinity War, why should we? And what he was saying there was that they're going forward with promoting things like you know, or they were going to promote things like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. You know, they announced that Coogler's directing Black Panther 2. They have Tom Holland running around New York and then making this this debut on ABC. So how does that change the perception or does it change your perception about how Marvel's treating this? You know, we've spoken in the past about how are they going to market this thing to not give away this idea that yes, a bunch of these characters do come back. This is reversed in Avengers four to some degree. Do you think it takes away from the end of infinity war because of these announcements we've got cause of Tom Holland making an appearance on ABC on ABC? Yeah. It's such a tough thing. Cause I remember, yeah, like you mentioned, when we went back to an episode, we were talking about this and Marvel really did put them in a, put themselves in a really tough spot here because coming right out of infinity war, I was like, well, man, like we know Black Panther's coming back. We know Spidey's coming back. We know the Guardians are coming back. So it's really tough. It's hard to judge it right now because we haven't seen the final product of Avengers 4 and how they're going to wrap that all up. But that was, if I have any nitpick, and, and I love Infinity War. I watch this thing every week. Um, it was just the fact knowing that two of their biggest heroes were killed knowing that they're going to get a sequel. Yeah. So it's 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 really tough to see. But I, at the end of the day, I don't know how else you would have handled it. I mean, you have to market Spider-Man yeah. coming out after Infinity War. So you can't really tippy-toe around that. You also do have the general audience out there that maybe they didn't see Infinity War. I mean, obviously they have. Everybody's seen Infinity War. But <laughs> maybe they haven't. So Marvel still has to go out there and be like, hey, we have a Spider-Man 2 coming out. Or a lot of people don't really pay attention to all that stuff, too. Like, they just kind of watch the movies and and then maybe a month out. They'll check out the marketing and go for it. So I don't really know how they handle that. I, I've been scratching my head the whole time since the since the snap. So yeah. it's um I, I, I hear both ends, to be honest. Yeah, and I can see both ends too. I agree with you there, but my my rebuttal to that article would have been like, have you ever read a comic book? <laughs> <laughs> because this happens all the time. And sure. my perception of it is that coming out of it, we all knew. I don't think we there's anyone that had an expectation that Black Panther, that Spider-Man, that Doctor Strange were going to stay dead forever. They For weren't sure. just going to cap this universe off and say, all right, 10 years, $6 billion later, we're good, guys. <laughs> like, that was never going to happen. So right. the way I'm looking at this is they have to market this in some fashion. This is the way they've chosen that's fine. To me, it doesn't take away from the end of Avengers Infinity War. That was a cinematic experience that we all had, unexpected experience. That's, nothing can take that away. Not yeah. even the marketing for films of characters that have died that we know are getting sequels. But you know, one thing that I'm focusing on here is, it's to me, it's less, or at least Avengers 4, is less about how these characters come back. Because we know they're coming back. There's going to be a journey to get there. That's what's excited, exciting for me in Avengers 4 is how are they going to get them back? Because we right. know what's happening. And the big thing that I think is going to be at the end of Avengers 4 is there's going to be consequences for getting those characters back, for getting Black Panther, Spider-Man. There's going to be sacrifices. That was all over Infinity War. That's true. And it's likely going to come in the form of Iron Man and Captain America. So 
thinking of it as a two-part big saga film the snap is a piece of it but to me the journey to getting or reversing that snap and the sacrifice at the end is the important piece of the story and that's how i'm focusing that this is to me is already a given spider-man's coming back i I, this doesn't bother me at all doesn't take away from infinity war at all to me you know how many times have we read the death of wolverine the death of tony stark the death of captain america you know torch (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) so it's it's a trope in comic books that is being a bit reflected in film but to me there's a lot more to come in avengers 4 and more permanent reaction to the snap than we maybe even perceive it could be huge and that's the thing i'm Sorry, keep going. Well, I was going to say, and that's going to be where the stamp is. That's going to be where we're not going to see another Iron Man film promoted yeah. after this. That's why they haven't announced a Hulk standalone or a team up, a Thor 4, right. a Captain America, and Iron Man. You know, they're, they're focusing on the pillars here that we knew already. You know, there's, there's no there's no one talking about, I guess maybe Black Widow, but that could be a prequel. There's no one talking right. about the original Avengers. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's true. That's true. And, I, and I'm hoping for that outcome because... Um... When it's all said and done, with this, whenever this franchise is wrapped up, I don't want it to go down as it was great, cinematic, everything was fine, except there were no stakes, nobody ever yeah. died. So it would be a shame if people would just I, – I get what you say with the comic books because that's that's just how we read these these books and that's how we, we know it. But eventually we, we're going to have to get to these points where it's like if, if um, Fury's dead, then he's dead. Mm-hmm. Because they can't keep bringing these characters back to life. But it does make sense if you were to watch it, Avengers 3 and then 4 – that this is the setup basically for four's outcome because the original crew, the Avengers, like you mentioned, are most likely going to bite it. At least two of those heroes are going to yeah, bite it. Maybe even more. And that, that's, <laughs> even where the, more yeah. that's where the stakes of the universe are set. It's not yes. the snap. The snap isn't right. the stakes. It's what right. happens and how they get or how they reverse everything from the snap. So, right. yeah, I, I'm loving all this. You know, I think Tom Holland out here is, is killing it. And I'm I the, the rumor is, and I haven't read any of these leaked trailer descriptions for avengers 4 but the rumor is within the next month we are getting a trailer for avengers 4 there's a lot of toy leaks out there right now so costume yeah we're starting to see costume leaks we're starting to see lego leaks we're starting to see action figure leaks so again when you look back at everything we've seen before with stars of marvel this is all in line with how these things roll out, we're we're likely going to get an entertainment weekly or a poster, yeah. then a trailer. It's all coming. You know, we're far enough away from the release of Captain Marvel. We just went through the cycle with Ant Man and the Wasp, another couple more weeks of that. Then it's going to be Avengers Four time. Crazy. Yeah, it's going to oh, be man. absolutely wild. <laughs> and man. stopping at our last news item before we take a quick break and then slide over to Grab's question for this week. I just want to touch on The Mandalorian one more time. Now, we've hit on this over the last three weeks talking about this set photo, or the set photo, the release of the directors, um, some insight into some of the weaponry and the reusing of, of generic, or maybe not so generic, Star Wars concepts and props. But this week we got some really cool set photos from John Favreau. I believe it was his birthday. Okay. And they surprised him with George Lucas showing up on the set of The Mandalorian. There's a great photo of the two of them together. And then what what popped up again from there was George Lucas, John Favreau, and your dude Dave Filoni. Yes. In a picture together. And what a sight to see. What a sight of 
some great creative minds are contributing to a universe we love. Now, when you look at this photo, how does it make you feel? Oh, excited. Yes. Excited as hell because I, I think it's more than just uh, – I mean, obviously, you know, like you said, George Lucas is showing up to give his birthday wishes. But I think – I'm hoping it's a little bit more. I'm hoping he has some a little insight. bit more insight. Yeah, uh, more so than, um, than Solo or Rogue One because I think he's been on those sets. He was on Solo yeah. for sure. He's on solo for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, um, man, I think this is great stuff because the last time Filoni and George Lucas teamed up, these guys gave us an incredible series of the Clone Wars. And, man, I hope he has some input here going into this series because I think, you know, when you put Dave Filoni with Favreau, it's it's just going to be crazy. Because I guess Dave Filoni is also producing this too, not just directing the first pilot, but he's also yeah. producing this series as well. So he is going to have some input in this show where it's going to go. And, um I, I just couldn't imagine George Lucas's Zen won't rub off on these two individuals, at least a little bit. So yeah. I, I'm super excited, man. Super yeah. excited. I think it's really cool to see the maker, George Lucas, coming back and revisiting the universe that he put his whole life into. This this yeah. creative mind that maybe can help influence a few things. You know, we're talking about That's... a character or at least a concept, maybe not the exact character, a concept in The Mandalorian that he came up with that Filoni himself really fleshed out. Yeah. in both Clone Wars and Rebels. And just to have those three guys sitting there, just imagine that roundtable discussion. Wow. You know, it could be something so minute. It could be something groundbreaking for the universe that they're talking about. Right. But just this this idea of them sitting there and talking Star Wars in a similar fashion that we do every single week just makes, I don't know, just warms my insides so much. <laughs> well, it, it's just going to be crazy, right? I mean, you think about what Favreau did with, even just the visuals of the Jungle Book. And yes. then you have Dave Filoni, who really has given us the most insight on, not, well, bounty hunters and Mandalorians itself. Yes. You know, And then you have the maker himself, George Lucas, all coming together, hopefully. Ah, it, it blows my mind. I just I just can't wait for this series. It's, it's kind of weird. Seeing this photo, this series has just elevated that much more for me. Obviously, seeing the first set photo of this character is cool, but now just seeing George there, because I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of George. I, I feel he's done no wrong, even going back to the prequels. I just can't wait for this series even more so, man. This is going to be incredible. Yeah. Well, the one thing it does for me, too, is it, it makes it feel cinematic almost. It yeah. makes it feel real that right. George Lucas has taken the time to go visit the set. And then when you reflect back on Filoni, like you said, what he's contributed, and even John Favreau, I never really, until I saw this picture and really thought like, okay, he's standing next to some big creatives. You know, John Favreau started off with The Elf or Elf, which is a fantastic film. Love but then one. you look yeah. at this guy's credentials, Iron Man, you know, kicked off the MCU, Iron Man 2. And then you go and look at The Jungle Book, which was a massive film. Mm -hmm. And reinvented really how Disney is approaching these live action adaptations. And then there's a photo a couple weeks or last week of him with Donald Glover and a few others doing the Lion King. That's right. So yeah. he's got that on tap. So you look at what John Favreau is doing as a creative for Disney. You know, he's had his hand in everything, their live action, the MCU in some sort of way. I think he still serves as an executive producer on the big Avengers films and that. And then he's now into the Star Wars universe. Like what hasn't this guy done? His credentials right. are are amazing. That's right. I mean, he gave us Tony Stark, Robert Downey yes. Jr. himself. So um it's huge, huge news just to see these guys come together. I just 
blown away, man. Yeah. Blown away. Absolutely love it. Now, what we're going to do here now, like we did last week, we're just going to take a quick break. And you're going to hear from our dude, Carlos Candido. He's going to be promoting his podcast, his Patreon. So it's just going to be a two-minute spot. And this is something that, like I said last week, that we're doing to try to just give a little bit of airtime to some of our friends, friends of the podcast, members of the Star Wars Commonwealth, just some time to explain what they're doing. Because it's things that you know we're invested in, we love listening to, hearing, and we think that you guys, if, if you want, can jump over there. And this will just give you a bit of reference and a bit idea, perception as to what these guys, these great creatives are doing. So we'll be back in just two minutes to talk. Grabs questions. So just kick back for two minutes here and listen to Carlos. Hello, listeners of the Nerd Room. I'm Carlos Candido. You might recognize me as one of the hosts of the Sith Disturbers and Tumbling Saber podcasts. I also host my own podcast called Thinking Out Loud, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. What you might not know is that I am primarily a musician, singer, songwriter, poet, producer, and artist. I recently brought my talents over to Patreon and started a campaign called Carlos Creates, and I'd love it if you took a few seconds to check it out. My goal is to release an album every year and increase video productions, vlogs, and a making the album style documentary called Making Stuff. The tiers start at $3, $5, and $7, and provide Patreon-only content like photos and videos, access to a VIP Facebook group, and monthly prize draws. But most importantly, every tier includes my monthly music releases. Every month, you'll get a downloadable MP3 in your Patreon feed. New music every month, as an exclusive. All the details of the tiers can be found at patreon.com slash Creates. Finally, I'd ask you to check out the Tumbling Saber podcast and all the other podcasts that make up the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network at starwarscommonwealth.com. And now, back to Tim, Troy, and Sanjay. All right, guys, welcome back. We hope you enjoyed that quick spot from Carlos. Now, what we're going to do here, we're going to jump into grabs a question from this week and it's a great great question it's about comic books one of our favorite topics here on the podcast the subject here is comic reflections tim and troy and sorry an absent sanjay here i've always had an interest in comics but it took two things to bring it out there's the three of you and your podcast but the biggest reason was the birth of my son this is very i, I love this already this is very personal very important i think and something that we can relate to directly. Mm. He may not be able to read, but the thought of one day sitting and sharing these amazing stories of heroes ignited my desire to build a collection. That being said, I failed miserably. The Watchmen, V for Vendetta, 100 Bullets, these are comics that have absolutely enthralled me, but they're by no means child-friendly. <laughs> it's quickly become about me and not about my future experiences sharing. I'm trying to remedy that with the purchase of the typical hero series, but I'll be honest, it's not what drives me now. And his questions for us this week are, what comics have pushed you down unexpected avenues? What stories do you enjoy that you've heard about without reading? What would have you shaking your head and wondering why? 
has there been any story arcs or art in mainstream comics that you wouldn't want your children reading slash seeing? Lastly, what has been your biggest surprise or self-realization about comics? Thanks in advance, Grabs. That is a loaded question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> first thing I will say, just commenting on your first part there about it being about you. I will say that is perfectly okay. <laughs> I think there needs to be a very fine balance, or there can be a very fine balance between having you time and having you comics and those things that you want to share with your child someday. We're both in the same boat here. We're about to, all three of us, I guess, are about to have a second addition to that. And we're just getting to the point now where it's about time to really start to introduce them to comic books, to Star Wars, Marvel, whatever. But I think reading books like Watchmen, V for Vendetta, that that's your escape, right? That's your escape from your life. And I personally, I think that's okay. Every book I read isn't because I want to share it with my daughter someday. I do things like watch Rebels and Resistance because I love Star Wars, but it's also something I do with my daughter beside me. So don't don't get down about that, man. I think I think it's it's a uh, it's an important thing to have your own thing, your own comics, because you will together. I think that's the key thing here. You have to find something together in the comic book world, whether that's I don't know Iron Man or Star Wars Adventures. I think you'll you'll ride and find that together. And I wouldn't put too much pressure on yourself of having to identify a bunch of things for them to read in the not too distant future. Yeah, man. Good answer. <laughs> I feel that. Wow. <laughs> All right. Let's let's break this this down a little bit here. So, Troy, what comics have pushed you down unexpected avenues? And I think what he means here is what's something that you've read that maybe you've picked up a subsequent book or a character inside of that that you weren't really expecting to love or enjoy? Yeah, you know, uh, off the top of my head, I I go with uh, the Avengers. You know, I wasn't the biggest Avengers person uh, growing up. You know, as a kid, we, the Avengers during the 90s weren't at their peak. Yeah, uh, They barely had a cartoon. Most people don't remember their cartoon. But um, it wasn't really until later on reading Spider-Man when I got into Civil War. Um, Spider-Man's arc when he, you know, announces to the world, spoilers, that he's Peter Parker – that's what really made me want to go back into Avengers and dive in. And from there, you know, kind of like what you're doing for like the second time going through the Bendis era and all that stuff. And and ever since then, I've never missed an issue of Avengers. So wow. I guess that's kind of like a, a fluke that I got into Avengers that way. But it, it worked out and I love it. And, you know, you, you have your highs and lows. Uh, right now, I'm liking the direction they're going, Ashley. So, um, yeah, I guess it'd be Avengers nice. around the Bendis era. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Now, for me, I would have to say... It and I, I feel like I talk about this every time we talk about any big comic book run or whatever. But for me, it was the Annihilation series, two thousand six. This changed my perception of what I loved about Marvel Comics in a big way. I was always been a reader of Avengers and Captain America and that from when I started reading comic books. But going back and reading Annihilation pushed me into Annihilation Conquest, pushed me into Ronin, pushed me into Drax the Destroyer, and eventually Guardians of the Galaxy. And it became an obsession of mine, this cosmic era 
of Marvel Comics, not only going back and buying the back issues, but trying to consume as much of it as possible. So when they revamped all this and re-released Guardians as the films were coming out and went really cosmic with stuff in, in the Thanos world, you know, even going back to Jim Starling's runs, the cosmic end of, of Marvel Comics was really opened up to me by a random choice of this annihilation that I found. You know, last week we spoke about, I think it was last week, about us, Sanjay and I, going to that weird um, storage locker and flipping through yes. comic books. I picked up Annihilation there. And I really liked the front cover. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And that's what started my obsession with that. So it was just this really random pull the, bu- pull the book for like a buck. And I ended up down this crazy path of Cosmic that eventually most of it got turned into films, which is pretty awesome. That's sweet. So, so with, before the Annihilation uh, run... Did Drax and some of those characters, Ronan, did they have their own like one-offs issues or yeah. they all introduced to that? So what they did with Drax, there was a four-part miniseries that was a prelude to Annihilation, actually. I think it came out in 2005, and it turned Drax from this super campy Jim Starling-era character that wore a cape, was kind of yeah. funny-looking, and it they went through a phase of him being reborn into the character that we're a bit more familiar with. He's not exactly like the film iteration, but the comic iteration of Drax was really reborn in that four issue miniseries. And that led directly into annihilation and him linking up with his kid. And so there's a whole thing there. Mm -hmm. And then Ronan had a four part miniseries in annihilation as well. So it was like one of the tie in books Okay, and it focused on Ronan's story and then how he goes into Annihilation. So it goes through his backstory a little bit. So that's another really good one for those going to Captain Marvel that want to get up on Ronan the Accuser a little bit. And also Hickman's run as well has a lot of Ronan and his accusers and a lot of a really good portrayal there. So yeah, there's quite a few one shots. There's a Star Lord one shot as well. In okay. uh, it's a tack on to Annihilation Conquest, which was the follow up to Annihilation. Uh, there's there's all kinds of stuff in there, but there's a, a whole bunch of cosmic to be read in there. So that's a time frame to get into 2005 to 2008 or so, 2009 maybe with Guardians. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of great stuff. So if you have Marvel Unlimited, I'm <laughs> I'm going to be going down that path at some point here. I have read oh, all bet. that, but I'm going to read it all again at some point. Sweet, can't so, go wrong with that. All right, uh, man. Which stories do you enjoy that if you heard about without reading, you would have sh- been shaking your head and wondering why? So, what's something that you've read, but on the onset or on the periphery, you'd been like, "There's no way I'm ever reading and enjoying this." It's a it's a tougher one. Yeah, that is a tough one. That is a tough one for me right now at the moment. You got anything on you right now? I'm thinking Superior Iron Man. Okay. Was that what oh. it was called? Yeah, Superior Iron Man after Axis. Yeah, after yeah. Axis. So yeah. this idea of turning Tony into this ultimate dickhead. You know, he's always walked that line, but he's been kind of that lovable dickhead. Yeah. And they go way to the extreme with it. And I'm thinking, why would I? I don't, I don't really want to read that. Yeah. And I didn't like how it was executed in Access, and it was fine. But what really, what I really loved is that they took Tony Stark, they moved him to San Francisco, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And then he had this huge storyline with Daredevil. Yeah. And it turned out to be this great arc for both Iron Man and Daredevil. And yeah. on the onset and hearing about it, I was just like, I have no interest in this. The only reason I kept with it was because I was reading Iron Man. 
That's right. Okay. And, I, and I, I wanted the Iron Man story. Because Daredevil was representing Hulk, right? Was yeah. that was that something going on in that? Was he representing Hulk or She-Hulk? I think She-Hulk. Uh, maybe She-Hulk. Okay. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, it was a cool one though, and yeah, I remember his costume looked a little goofy. Uh, Iron Man's because he had like this, his like a silver yeah, white a costume, silver one, yeah. But his mask was kind of like like it had like that gambit kind of look going on. Like it yes. wasn't always on, so you could see his hair and his face. Yeah, and he had that weird thing. Yeah, the, yeah. the suit was another thing that threw me off. I was like, right, because they went from in that in that era. They that was kind of towards the end of Bendis and all that. I think Bendis yeah. actually wrote this, but um, they had the cosmic suit. Then they yeah. had the black and gold suit, which yes. I really liked. Yes. And this Great. was like this real silver in the face. Yeah, it was, it was almost it's really diamond shaped and all that. So yes. all of it, even the art or the look of the yeah. costume and the idea of the character really threw me off. But the story right. is pretty good. Yeah. And he's drinking again, I think, yes. in that one too, isn't he? Yeah, drinking and partying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's a good Well, you know, because he brought that up. As soon as he said Superior, I was like, oh, okay, that's mine. Sp- Superior Spider-Man. So I'm glad you brought that up because I was really lost there. So for me, I never go to my comic store and I'm really big into Spider-Man. I'm, uh, I'm coming off of Spider-Man like big time. He has a new job. He works for Horizon Labs, which I think is like the best career choice when you're writing Spider-Man to have him work in a lab. And um, and his life is actually going pretty well. And I went to my local comic shop and he told me, yeah, well, I think uh, $6.99, so issue 700 Dr. Octopus is taking over Spider-Man's body. And I was like, what? Like that? that sounds horrible and yeah. like yeah he's gonna be a badass he's gonna kill and i was just like i don't want that at all like i'm really into just a spider-man right now and i don't really want to make that transition and sure enough leading up to it um is after big time can't remember the name of the saga ah that's gonna kill me but anyways going right into uh superior spider-man i loved it it was like it's one of my favorite spider-man runs ever i think it's 33 issues it was fantastic just to see that character change in the um the status quo of spider-man but also having like the force ghost peter parker kind of talking yeah. to doc ock throughout the whole run it was it was awesome it was so good so totally unexpected and it's actually made me bump um dr octopus to probably my favorite uh villain of all wow. time for spider-man yeah after that run you really get inside both characters heads and bodies i guess you could say during that run of spider-man and um dr ock so yeah, yeah that's that's that'd be mine for sure yeah that's a that's a good pull because i i read the first 10 issues of that i believe and yeah. i read the 698 699 700 yeah. issue and all that and i agree with you on the onset you're like this is not how is this gonna work right. this makes although it, it makes comic book sense it makes really no sense <laughs> yeah <laughs> And then, yeah, it was, I don't know why I ended up dropping off with it, but I agree. I kind of liked how they approached it. It was something different. That whole superior sure. idea for a while yeah. was kind of cool. Just doing things a little differently, a little unexpectedly, but it turned out to produce some really great original stories. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All stuff. right. Uh, has, or sorry here, has there been any story arcs or art in mainstream comics that you wouldn't want your children reading or seeing? Uh, any arcs? Arcs or art. Oh, um, you, you got something right now or you want me to start this You can one? go ahead if you want. I, I'm trying to think here. I, I've got a few little things, but nothing yeah. crazy. Uh, off the top of my head, it's um, the whole run of Mark Berlar and even going into now's currently Old Man Logan. That's yes. uh, Yeah, I wouldn't want my daughter reading that one anytime soon. It's um, isn't like the, the arts visceral and grimy and in your face and... Um, Billy Gory, like 
a lot more gory than even Logan is. So that's something else. You know, see Wolverine slicing up a bunch of Hulks. The content in there is crazy because mm-hmm. the Hulks are like inbreds too, which is <laughs> something else. But the story is great. You're seeing a lot of fallen heroes. And actually, matter of fact, the whole timeline itself is a world of fallen heroes. Yeah. And even Wolverine himself doesn't want to be a hero. So, and he's responsible for killing a lot of the heroes. So it's um. Yeah, I definitely don't want my daughter reading that anytime soon, I would say. (laughs) So the one that comes to to top of mind right away for me is The Killing Joke. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a a great story, but the Mm. content itself is is a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they they deal with sexual harassment. They deal with, you know, rubbing that in Commissioner Gordon's face. Yeah. There is some serious themes in that book, but it's been turned into a rated R mainstream film or whatever you want to call it, that adaptation to film. But that's something that I that will be way down the road if my daughter ever even gets into anything like that. But yeah, the killing joke, yeah, it does not <laughs> will not cross the path of my daughter's eyes anytime <laughs> soon. But it's funny because I'm trying to think too. I've never I've never read any more of the mature stuff, like the hundred bullets or V for Vendetta. I've read Watchmen, but yeah. I've I've never done any of that extreme or more adult stuff. Even if you look at the Jessica Jones run by Bendis right. that he did that was outside of Marvel, the alias run, for a mm-hmm. while because of its mature content. I've never really read anything like that. So I it's got me intrigued here that that Grabs is so into these adults or more mature content or more mature driven storylines that maybe a hundred bullets maybe i gotta get into a hundred bullets yeah i keep hearing about that one yeah yeah so, yeah I gotta, I gotta check that one out and you know and i still haven't even seen v for vendetta let alone uh read good. it I, I gotta pick it up from our rental guy there mr uh yeah. mr sunjay rentals hey, what do we call it <laughs> sunny streaming service sunny right? streaming service <laughs> Because I know he has that. There's another cool, interesting one too. Actually, I just remembered. I think it was called uh, the Marvels. Oh, Came out yes. way back. That one's really twisted. Where it's like a take on all the heroes is changed. Like Xavier is up to some weird stuff. He's like the president, I think. And because um, there's sp- a, wasn't this wasn't Marvels done from it told the story of Marvel from the perspective of the average human. Yeah, that's it. There's another one, sorry, with the same kind of art. It's kind of like an Alex Ross art. Yeah. And it came out around the same time, but it's called something else. But it's like if everything went wrong. Yeah. Like, that's it's, cool. it's really bizarre. It's really bizarre. Check You have Marvel Unlimited now. Yeah. So you can, if you ever want to creep down that path, check it out. It's really bizarre. I think I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question here from Grabs. What has been your biggest surprise or self-realization about comic books i'll start i'll start this one give you a second cool. to think about that cool. for me it was how much i love comic books that was a, a real interesting self-realization for me because I, I think i talked about it last week when we were talking about grabs's question or maybe a week before about how i came into comic books off the back end of the mcu and then it became this massive part of my life a piece that i had been missing Mm-hmm. And this idea of a connected universe, sequential storytelling, being able to meander through different stories and just take a break from the real world yeah. and dive into this this crazy world, this universe that had been kicking around for 70 years, 60 years that I never I, I never read a comic book other than Archie when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I just was never exposed to it. 
And all of a sudden, when I picked up and read that book, I said, Avengers X Sanction. I said this yeah. last week. My biggest self-realization was I've been missing this my whole life. There's parts of my life when I can think back to when I lived in London, England, I didn't have a ton of hobbies or at least hobbies that are accessible from anywhere, really. And I really wish I had that when I lived there. I was there by myself for a long time. You know, I didn't have I didn't really know anyone outside of work. And I was I, you know, just sitting there thinking if I had comic books, if I had that that routine to go down i used to go to the shops but i used to go there for collecting not for right. comic books right so my biggest self-realization was that this is a huge part of my life that i've only been doing for the last seven years yeah. and i love it I, I would never give this up this hobby it may it may go and i may shrink my my pull list or i may not read for a little while but it's something that i'm always always going to come back to mm-hmm that's you? fantastic. Yeah, you know, mine's, mine's very similar to yours, man. It's uh, it's just a part of me. It's something that I really couldn't live without. And, you know, if I, I couldn't trade much for this. I mean, you know, if people are asking me, you know, would you want this movie franchise or your comic books or these figures? or com- I, I always go back to my comic books. I always do because the stories you can take from there, the lessons that can be learned from, whether it's Spider-Man or Iron Man or Wonder Woman – and just getting these different perspectives of these heroes, because I've always been a big fan of uh, Greek mythology, and I find this is like the modern telling yes, of, of those. Cool. You know what I mean? And um, it's, it's just something stands out to it. I, there's nothing better than just kind of going wherever you are in your room or your house and just reading a book and just getting invested into it. And especially, you know, starting off with uh, trades, especially because that was like the binge watch of comic books, right? Yeah. Where you can just dive in before there was even um, the tablets and everything, the 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 trades where there's uh, I think it's ultimate Spider-Man was my first trade pickup really. And just going through that whole run. I just, I couldn't put it down. I loved it. And that carried on to, uh, wonder woman's, uh, volume, uh, one up to six in the new 52 and then the quarter vowels and, and just catching up with amazing Spider-Man and, um, all those kinds of things, man, there's just nothing like it in my opinion. Um, than just going through comic books and, and currently we're going to talk about now, but just even, um, watching daredevil right now, I, I love this series so much. It feels like kind of going back to a comic book for the first time and just diving into this new world. Cause I feel like they do such a great job capturing the spirit of not only just daredevil, but kind of like the storytelling yeah. of comic books, because it's different than a movie, a movie it's two hours, but to have, you know, 13 hours basically invested with this character or these characters, it's kind of similar to a comic book in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's awesome, man. I love that. That, yeah. that the self-realization there is that, this is a part of us. This is who yeah. we are. And realistically, the, the craziest thing about comic books in general is it is what brought Sanjay and I together and it's what yeah. brought you and I together. Yeah. So the reason that we do this every week, like the foundational reason right. is because of our individual love for comic books and wanting to talk about it with someone or a like-minded person. Yes. Yeah. So Preach. Pretty, pretty wild. Grabs, that yeah, was man. that was a beautiful question. I absolutely love that. That was a Good ton stuff. of fun to get through. We look forward to your contributions every single week, and I can't wait to get back at it again. Yes, sir. Thanks, Grabs. All right, man, let's get to our main topic for this week. And it's going to be starting first, talking a little bit about Marvel Netflix television or Marvel television in general, and then giving our first generic, spoiler-free-ish thoughts on daredevil but when we're looking at marvel netflix television we've seen what two seasons of every single character 
with the exception of Daredevil, and a Defenders, a team-up film. So our team-up series. So there's been a lot of content. If you think about the pure hours there, that's probably on par at this point or pretty damn close to the MCU as a whole. And we're talking about four characters with supporting cast and all that. And we so we spent a lot of time with these characters. Now, you and I haven't watched every single series. I haven't watched any of the Iron Fist. I haven't watched Luke Cage season two. But we've invested a ton of time into Daredevil, into the Defenders, into Jessica Jones. And what we're seeing now Netflix doing is canceling these shows. They've gone on a bit of a, of a binge. I referred to them as Thanos because they've <laughs> snapped out of existence in the last couple of weeks, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, I believe Orange is the New Black got canceled as well. Really? So they've been going through this big, huge house cleaning over at Netflix, which isn't something that, I, at least in, in recent memory, I don't remember Netflix ever doing anything like this. No. Where they go through in a similar fashion that you get the network saying, oh, this is Axe, this is Axe, this is Axe. This is a very public execution of a lot of these shows. And it was surprising to me that Iron Fist and Luke Cage got that public axe. You know, these are characters that Netflix has seemingly had a lot of success with. Now, Netflix doesn't release any of their metrics, the volume of of what's being watched or the individual shows. You know, we're we're talking in the frame or at least the the, the company that measures for cable said that these are getting, you know, tens of millions of views on TVs, not including tablets or iPhones or anything like that. So these are getting eyes. And the idea behind Netflix is to drive not so much viewership, but subscriptions. Mm -hmm. So it's a little different from television that depends on ads and depends on eyes on product. This is about subscription and driving people towards the service. So having exclusives like Luke Cage and Iron Fist as driving forces for Netflix to get subscription is more important, I think, than the actual viewership. So it's clear to me that Netflix has looked at a lot of these shows, some of the more legacy shows. Some of these have been going on for quite some time. If you go back to the original Daredevil series and look at it as a, as a whole, you know we've been we've been with this for what two, four, six, eight, nine, ten seasons, say, already. Yeah. And so, to me, they're they're looking at this and saying, okay, people aren't coming to Netflix anymore for Luke Cage and Iron Fist. And that, that's a bit of a shame. But a question I want to throw to you about, you know, what's next for Marvel Netflix television is, do you think this is some reaction to the Disney streaming service? Are these characters moving over there? Or... Is this some sort of marketing coup where they're saying, we've gotten rid of Iron Fist and Luke Cage. There's no mention of Jessica Jones or Daredevil. Is there a Heroes for Hire team-up series coming? Are, are they getting people talking about why they're being cancelled? Oh yeah, by the way, here's another series for Heroes for Hire to cap off both of their stories. What do, what do you think this is all about, this, this cancelling? Or is it just Netflix house cleaning? Yeah, you know, well, before going into this, I didn't know Orange is the New Black. I think <laughs> I'm not 100% on that, but yeah. one of those more popular shows did get canceled. Because yeah. if it did, then that's that's great. It should have been canceled after the first, <laughs> after the first, after the second season. The first season was great. The second season was a letdown, so they should have just cut it then. But that throws, if that's the case, and that throws all my stuff out of whack because I thought they were um, pretty much doing this because of what you kind of just alluded to, which was maybe doing a whole team up, which is Heroes for Hire. I think they should have gone that route. 
uh, with their second season, so they shouldn't have even been a uh, a Luke Cage season two or a yeah Iron Fist season two. They should have done Heroes for Hire then, but it's it's hard to say because I don't think anybody really cared too much for season two of Luke Cage. I mean, I fell off. I watched the whole season of the first one, but yeah. after the half, I was kind of checked out. And then I know Iron Fist was above. Um, uh, and humans, but yeah. as it, like you know, when it comes to, like the worst things ever from Marvel, it's like in humans and Iron Fist, right? <laughs> so, um, I thought maybe because going into Daredevil, how how great it is, I think, I think maybe what they could be doing is kind of trying to transfer things to Disney, the Disney stream, maybe even yeah. perhaps, and maybe by doing so, if you kind of kind of cut the fat and cut out the Luke Cage and the Iron Fist, you can maybe maybe even possibly tie this universe a little bit more so to the MCU now, if you kind of focus in on like your primes, like. A daredevil like your punisher you can maybe bridge the gap a little bit I'm not necessarily saying you're going to see these guys in the movie still but you might just get a little bit more of that playroom now where we're seeing more things of uh characters maybe even referenced or the kingpin ref- referenced yeah. in some of these movies I'm, I'm really not too sure it, it, or it could just be a cleaning house kind of situation because those were the two or the two lower um popular type of uh shows i would say in this whole netflix universe yeah, well, because I know, and I don't have the exact numbers. I do know that at some point, Netflix and Marvel had agreed to produce another like five or eight seasons of this Marvel Netflix show or, or or universe or whatever. So a lot of that was Daredevil season three, Punisher season two. There was a mention at some point, I believe, of maybe even a Defender season two. Oh, but. I'm curious to how much they're pulling back because of the last a lack of success or because they're trying to reframe this. Or maybe Disney just said, we now have a forum for this. We have a space for this type of storytelling, this, you know, binge watching, very sequential, longer drawn out series. Like you said, 13, 12, 13 hours, whatever. We never have a place for this stuff. We want it back. Mm, <laughs> and yeah. I, I really do. Part of me feels like that's not the case. Part of me feels like it's just we're cleaning house here. I just confirmed. Yeah. I just looked at Orange is the New Black has been canceled. Okay. It's tough. <laughs> so, <Good stuff>. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like they're doing a bit more of that and trying to maybe reapproach their content and, and cut the fat a bit, as you put it. Yeah. But I think they're missing an opportunity here to do a Heroes for Hire and do a buddy cop type of series. I would watch that. I didn't watch Iron Fist. I didn't watch Luke Cage season two. I would watch Heroes for Hire. Yeah. So I wonder if they're thinking in that mind frame, how do we drive people back to these two characters without doing individual series? A way to do that is Heroes for Hire. Yeah, I agree. Because, you know, one of the highlights, at least for me, even though we only got glimpses of it, was Defenders. Seeing uh, Danny Rand and, and Luke Cage kind of, you know, hash it out a little bit. Uh, time to time in the defenders i i actually really liked that and i felt like um coulter brought out the better acting in danny yeah. when they had back and back and forth which i which i appreciated so i thought from there was a no-brainer that we would get a season of uh heroes for hire but i don't really know i it, it's really hard to say i because I, I, like you mentioned we don't really have the ratings of those shows and how it works out but i really feel it, it could just be them cleaning house and just kind of cutting their their, their losses as is and just moving on from it they have a lot of faith in daredevil and they have a lot of faith in jessica jones and punisher. the punisher yeah. right so it seems like they're just going to focus on those and if anything maybe make up some room and, and give us that blade series finally or give us um moon knight, moon knight yeah. right yeah so yeah so yeah you're, you're right there and pointing out it just may be time to make space 
mm-hmm. for other characters and just put these guys in the back burner. And if they get some momentum, okay, let's bring them back for Heroes for Heart. Let's bring them back for Dare or Defender Season 2 and right. just see where this universe goes. I don't want to see this Marvel Netflix series come to an end with Daredevil Season 3. I, I want them to continue it in some fashion. Now, whether that's on the Disney streaming service or Netflix, I like the idea here that we're getting stories of characters that we'll probably never really see on the big screen. Mm-hmm. But that being said, you know, is it possible that they've pulled these, or Marvel has, because they themselves want to use Luke Cage in some capacity? I can see, out of all the characters in yeah. this, Luke Cage and Daredevil, to me, are the most cinematic characters. They're the most cinematic portrayals. Jessica Jones and Iron Fist feel a bit more like TV yeah. shows to me. Punisher, I don't know, but the the content's a bit too violent for the MCU. But right. those two, I could see them saying, we can leverage these characters now. We, we have to find new support pillars, new second, third tier characters to support the Black Panthers, Spider-Mans, Captain yeah. Marvels of the MCU. Who's your next tier down? Especially with me going back and looking at this new Avengers era, Luke right. Cage is a big part of that. Daredevil is a big part of that. That's right. And so maybe they're looking to, to reintegrate these characters back in the MCU proper and pull them out of this Marvel Netflix series. So I, I don't know. There's a lot of speculation in there. And I don't know if we're going to get an answer anytime soon. Right. <laughs> but it's interesting to see, like I said, the public executions of both Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Because shifting over to talking a little bit about Daredevil here, this is the latest series to debut on Netflix. I believe there's been three this year. Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, and Daredevil. I think there was three. I, I think Luke Cage came up this season too. This year, Does too. It, maybe Jessica Jones was late last year. But anyways, yeah. they, they've thrown out a lot of content this year, mm-hmm. and the only one I've jumped on board with right away was Daredevil. Here, this debuted last Friday. Yeah. I didn't get to it till Saturday night, but high level spoiler free for now i we're not going to walk into really spoilers we're going to speak more generally about things but i will put a spoiler tag on here so the intent is to not do it and i'll try to bleep out anything if we accidentally slip but high level man what are you thinking of daredevil season three right now oh right off the bat it's, it's my favorite netflix show season whatever you want to call it this is my favorite like i don't know many shows and it's really tough even great shows they kind of have that season or two where it's going downhill as opposed yeah. to what the first season was daredevil is one of the only ones that's actually getting better the first season was fantastic the second season was awesome third season for me is like my favorite one i absolutely love what they're doing with the character i think um uh the actor cox is just wicked charlie cox, he's, yeah. charlie cox he just he's better than ever and he's always great kingpin uh, you're talking about cinematic universe. This guy needs to confront Spider-Man. This guy needs to be in the MCU. He has to be. He has to be. He has to be referenced. I want to hear that he, you know, he bought a building beside Tony Stark. Like I, I, I need that character in the movies. Um, the writing's really good. I love what they're doing with another character, another, you know, um, villain, we could say yeah, antagonist, but we don't really, I'm not going to put a title on him or her, but I do love what they're doing with this, this character. It's um, very reminiscent of my boy Anakin's kind of yes. origin, you could say. So I, I great things going on with this series. I think my only downfall, it's always been my downfall with this series, and I, I hate to call him out, is, is Foggy. 
and I'm not going to go into him. I'm just going to say I don't really like his acting. I feel it's very flat, and it's it's been that way from season one, season two, and season three. His delivery for me just bothers me, and it could just be me. Um, but apart from that, it's it's a fantastic show. And if you haven't watched Defenders, it's okay because yes. Netflix is is great with catching you up. You know, it has the recap, and it's all you really need. So I really like how they they handle that. But if you're invested and you've been watching Daredevil since season one to Defenders and then three, you're you're really in for a treat. And uh, like I mentioned, this is this feels like I'm reading a comic book. If you like the action sequences and the hallway battles that you've had in the first seasons and the second season, you're, you're really just in for a treat. It's yeah. uh, it, it's it's good stuff, guys. Go out there and check this show for sure. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you, man. This uh, it hasn't quite. I'm only on episode seven right now. Uh, yeah. I believe twelve or thirteen. Correct. Yeah, thirteen. Yeah, thirteen. So I'm about almost halfway through, and I have to say that I'm really, really loving Charlie Cox. He is. Yes. He's fantastic. The what I'm getting is a, you know how Bruce Wayne was a bit in the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. He was beaten up slower it's it's interesting to watch the character because you go season two and this guy is on fire yeah he's a very different character in this season and we've been prepared for that with the the promotion material something different's happening you look at the trailers and all that so they really hit on this it's a really slow burn as well this yeah. isn't quite as and none of them are there a lot of those series are very slow burns but this one in particular is very character focused yes uh, and they introduce a few new supporting characters that are helping Daredevil along the way. That at first I was like, ah, I don't know if I like this. But after the first couple of episodes, I'm like, I really like where they're going with mm-hmm. the support characters. And Matt Murdock himself, like it's it's a Matt again going back to even I'm not not directly compared to Iron Man three, but the idea that you take the suit away and you have this film about Tony Stark. Yeah. This to me is a series about Matt Murdock more than anything. As much as he says in the trailers and all that, that, you know, Matt Murdock's going away. This is about Matt Murdock. Mm-hmm. This is less about Daredevil, more about Matt Murdock. Now there's, yeah, of course there's Daredevil and all that in there. Yeah. But like you said, with the way that the character is written, the Kingpin, oh. uh, there's not much more I can say that you haven't already done, but <laughs> there's, there's ways that they use storytelling that's different in this. Mm-hmm. that allows you to catch up with things and the way that they give you backstory on particular characters mm-hmm. it's it's really uniquely done it's not done in your typical fashion of going back living that sequence of events through the eyes of a child or whatever it's it's framed very differently and the way that they use the actors the way that they approach how it's shot is yes. is very dynamic and it's very enthralling and intriguing because you buy into the characters, but they're not using these massive long sequences of backstory telling mm-hmm. or this interspersed nature of moving away from the forward going narrative. It's kind of all nicely wound into it and told in a very sequential way. Yes. Yes. Which, which is great because the pacing just yes. complements all of that, right? Yeah. yeah, and the the action sequences, the few that I've seen, are are next level. Yeah. They continue to to push the boundaries that we expect in this series. Every time he shows up in a hallway, I'm thinking, "All right, here we go, here yeah. we go." And they find a way to reinvent that first hallway scene 
again and again, right? They did the stairway right. in season two. Yep. They found new ways already in this season to do something different with different environments, very close quarters, but not feeling repetitive mm-hmm. from what has been done in the past. They're not just throwing them in a hallway and saying, okay, go at it one more time. That's right. So I, I agree with everything you say there, man. It, it's it's a great start to a series. To me, it's got a lot of finality to it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm feeling like we're coming to the end of something. I don't know what happens at the end of this. I don't know what the expectation is. I don't know what the rumors are about the end of this. But there is this sense that, okay, we're winding down in a similar fashion that we did in The Dark Knight Rises. That's what comes to mind to me a lot mm. for for this season. And that other antagonist that we won't really touch on, yeah. whew, the, it's... Right. The backstory they build there, and this is where Marvel, the Netflix series, has done extremely well, is their villains. Yes. And they've done it again here with both Kingpin and this new antagonist that we, again, will not mention until a later date. But you go to any one of these individual series, that's the standout is the villain. They've yeah. done it again here. Yeah, I, I didn't know how they're going to surpass uh, John Berthold, which is, oh. they're, they're, they're different characters, but what they did is it's it's fantastic what they did this character and then even taking kingpin to another level he feels very comic book accurate and not comic book like fanboy pleasing like like it's a bad thing like it's this is great this is like this is like how everybody should experience kingpin you know because something sometimes you can read a comic book and think that's kind of funny that that wouldn't work in the real world but this characteristic what they've taken upon themselves to do and injected in this uh this kingpin is just great this whole master planning of what he's doing i'm not going to say anything else but i'm just really pleased i didn't think i was going to be this satisfied with the show because i i liked defenders it wasn't my favorite but i actually did appreciate it yeah but they've just taken it to a whole nother level here yeah 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 it's it's really great stuff and and just to your point about about foggy you know <laughs> ever the optimist this guy he yeah. if if you know i, I love you and sanjay but this guy would literally do anything for anyone. You could like for spit sure. on this guy, take his shoes, push him down, do whatever. And he'll get back up and say, do you want my jacket? Like, for sure. <laughs> it's, it's wild. But I, I do I do like the character. And I think it's yeah. necessary in the show, especially with the way that they're developing Matt Murdock. Uh, it's great. And even, um, what's her name? Paige. Karen Page. Um, Karen Page. Yeah. Really well done. The actress is really nailing this role, and they're giving her lots to do. Yeah. Which I like. They're they're really allowing her character to develop, and they do in the early part of the season. They work really hard between the recap and some of the flashback sequences that they right. do. They they work really hard to get you up to speed. So, like Troy said, you don't need to see defenders to watch this you Mm -hmm. probably do need to see season one and season two to really have that investment because if you jump straight into this you're gonna find it slow paced and you're gonna be questioning i don't i don't really get all this or or why we're moving at this pace or why he's not he's doing this and not this so season one season two for sure jump into season three to me already it's a recommend i can't wait to get in the back half like i'm gonna run upstairs it's already 11 o'clock here I got to get at least one episode in before I fall asleep and edit a little bit. So it's going to be a late night for me, but uh, I don't care because I'm loving the content I'm getting. Yeah, that, that, that's just it, you know. And, and, you know, going to this, it's like, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. He doesn't have a movie. But at the same time, it's like 
well, where else could you flesh this character out like this? You can't. You know, they, they, they tried doing a movie. It didn't necessarily work. Obviously, superhero films have gravitated to another level now compared to since then. But I think he suits really well on a 13, um, 13 show kind of series. Because normally I'm the one that's like, you know, I'd rather go for 10 episodes on some of these Netflix shows. I feel like so far I'm not done. But so far I'm liking this format. I'm liking the amount of time episodes we're getting. And I, I just can't wait to finish the series off. Yeah. Well, the one thing that the Daredevil has always done really well that I don't think the other series have done as well is that you go through and it's it's similar to to comic books like you brought up the the way they tell a story. It's like mini arcs. Yeah. Is that they have something, they take you through a story, you get to a point and then they introduce a new element and then they go through that for an arc and then it changes again. And then by the end, it's kind of like this really nice piece of sequential storytelling is that those individual arcs they feel uh, they're not they're not segregated at all or siloed off but they tell their own story but then that all points towards something much bigger like you go back yes. to season 2 you get a bit of Daredevil you get a big part of John Berthall in the Punisher and then that all comes together with Elektra and the hand and all this that's and then right. that's it this huge story comes together but it's told almost in these little mini series over 13 episodes they're doing something very similar here and I just love the, the way they've constructed it. Yeah, no, I agree, man. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's yeah. cool, man. That's that's two recommends for at least mm-hmm. the first half for me and the first yeah. three quarters from Troy yeah. for Daredevil season two, season two. So make sure you guys go and check that out. And if you haven't gone into it, you can skip. I wouldn't say skip everything else. Luke Cage worth a watch. Jessica Jones, even the Defenders. But yeah. if you're gonna pick something, focus in on Daredevil and then kind of branch out from there. That that's I think our, our agreed recommendation. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys well it's 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 been an absolute blast tonight i know we recorded a little late but we managed to rock out a, a nice reasonably long episode here talking a little bit about marvel star wars and dc and really jumping deep here into the netflix world and daredevil season three so my man hey yeah, man. it's it's, it's like always man it's been an absolute pleasure podcasting with sure you. oh always man this is great you know this is this is the place to be man to talk comic books with you star wars Marvel, even DC, Sanjay, we got you. This is it's all going down right here at the Nerd Room. Yes, and if you'd <laughs> ever like to be a part of this show, you can always email us at the at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook or YouTube, and you can always catch us on Twitter. We're always meandering about there, conversing with Grabs, Matt Salvador, Godsif, and all the guys at Tumbling Saver. We're we're doing it all. But whole crew. Yes, yeah, so you can catch our handles at the end of the episode. And you know what, man? Until until next week when we're Back in the nerd room talking Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. Hopefully uh, an Avengers trailer or something crazy comes out of the woodworks here. And we also got to talk about this Vader series at some point, the comic book series. Mm, We are counting down towards issue 25 here in December. And we got to have a bit more of a discussion here because issue 21 that dropped last week, something else. Oh, man. (laughs) It's going down. Yeah. I think maybe issue 22. Don't know. Anyways. (laughs) I can't remember. (laughs) until next week guys we will be back in the nerd room all three of us here but until next week for the nerd room i'm tim i'm troy and thank you for entering the nerd room this has been a nerd room podcast production you can find our hosts tim troy and sunjay on twitter at the nerd rm troy the boy 87 and sunjabby for more content from the nerd room check out the nerdroom.net don't forget to subscribe to the nerd room on itunes podbean and youtube be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, 
Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim's Podcast, and San Diego Sabres. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.